What? Hey, Harry Bo, James. Hi, Christian. Are you all right? I'm fine. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, it's perfect. Good, good. Thanks for inviting me onto your podcast today. No, no, you're welcome. Uh, just before we start, um, how was your uh, uh, well, last couple of weeks been you know, under lockdown? Yeah, I've, be kept, I've kept busy. I mean, I'm always busy. Uh, I work from home, which means yeah. I haven't had to go anywhere, really. But I like to go for walks every day. Um, uh, my book, my new book is out soon. Just been working on the design and various <laughs> things. Um, yeah, I've been fine. I mean, nothing's really changed. <laughs> Not really. What about you? Um, well, I've, I've been lucky because um, I've, I've started to do the Food for All charity, you know, at the Manchester Temple. Oh, good. Yeah, a few diversities. I've been there two occasions. It was such um, a blessing to, you know, go back into the temple as well because I felt like prior to going back, I hadn't had any face-to-face -face association with diversities for, I think, about a year. But since I went back, it just felt, you know, straight back at home as well. And it was incredible because, I went, well, when I went into the temple room for the first time, when I stood by Shula Prabhupada, I just immediately felt his presence. Mm. It was incredible. And I felt like it's true, you know, like when you do some service, even though we might be small, you know, Krishna does reciprocate because I can remember like since then, like my chapter has gone better where I think at one time I couldn't chant eight rounds in one hour and then I just managed it on one occasion. And then the second time when I think it's like 58 minutes, which is, it was amazing because I felt like, you know, you know, I really felt Krishna's presence there as well in the temple as well. Yeah, I'm pleased. I saw on someone's social media that you were at the temple doing prasadam yeah. distribution. So I was really encouraged to see you engaging with other devotees. Yeah, because I'm hoping to do uh, a book, dist uh, well, book distribution, a bit of Kirtan as well, and, you know, just helping people in general as well. Because I think, like, you know, the last 18 months or so, it's just been turbulent, hasn't it? And, like, completely, you know, non-directional for people as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. When you're ready to start, I'll, I'll start. Yeah. What do you? I mean, what do you kind of want to talk about in general? Uh. I, um, I think. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. Um. I've got a few subjects like um, like talking about the Gita, certain like taboo subjects. Um. Like as an yeah. organization, um, have we done enough to you know promote uh, you know gender, race, and uh, sexual? Uh, oh, know, I'd love definitely. that. Fantastic. And this will go on to your. Yeah, definitely. This is all yeah, the stuff I like to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I think sometimes I think like you know, as an organisation, we seem to um, it's like a hot potato. We seem to, or well, well, we seem to like brush onto the carpet and we like certain subjects. Mm. Yeah. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it should be a good one as well. Looking forward to it. So I've got to eleven thirty at the latest. So an hour fifteen minutes. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. All right. Cool. Okay. Um, hi Krishna, everyone. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Back to Pod. Uh, today I'm joined by a special guest, Narada Das, who's a disciple of H.D. Goswami, and he's been currently working on his new book, The History of the High Krishna Movement in the UK. And he's like, and he's hoping to uh, publish it later on this year. Hi Krishna, bro. Hare Krishna, James. Thanks for inviting me on the Back to Pod today. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Excellent. Good, good, good. Okay, um, to get things off going, um, how long have you been practicing Krishna Conscious for? Um, several lifetimes. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, I, I mean, in this lifetime, my first encounter with the Hare Krishnas was almost 20 years ago in 2004. <laughs> I was sent to 
back to Vedantamano by my tutors at university to study the Hare Krishnas. And they said, oh, don't join them. No, they didn't say that. So I was <laughs> sent to them. And 17 years later, I'm involved. I mean, that's the short story. Trying to take it seriously for about a decade, for about 10 mm. years. And uh, between 2004 and 2012, I... Um, I was kind of doing my own thing, kind of floating around, still living a life that I shouldn't have been living. And then it wasn't until 2012 when I tried to live my life by my rules and they hadn't worked. <laughs> I decided in 2012 to, oh, let's take this Hare Krishna thing seriously. And yeah, what, nine years. So yeah, nine years. That's incredible. Yeah, because well, for me, Boo, as well, I've been practicing three days this year. And I think like, you know, yourself, I think, well, prior to coming to Krishna Conscious, you know, you're setting your own, um, like, your own uh, ways of life around your ego. I think normally it's like a gradual process as well because um you know um a harder master gene um uh Clive Holland as well. Well he was saying also that um you know the process of back to yoga you know should be taken you no know, easily because you know it's like if you dive too deeply into it, you know, you it can become overwhelming as well. And for me it's like a period of time like I gave up me because Prior to becoming a Hare Krishna, I had come, I had toyed with the idea of becoming a vegetarian, but mm. I think it gave me the um, a better insensitive to uh, follow it properly, you know, than fish, eggs, alcohol followed as well. And I think it has changed me as a person as well because it helped me to uh, see things, you know, as they are, you know, within reality and um, understand myself, you know, who I truly am, you know, as a spiritual soul. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me personally, I, I wasn't, I mean, I tried a lot of stuff before I joined the Hare Krishna movement. I was involved with some evangelical Christian churches. Mm. I went to mosques. I went to the Sikh Gurdwara. I went to Mormon meetings. I even went to a Jehovah's Witness meeting, <laughs> which was, which was um, an experience. Um, so um, kind of pagan things like Stonehenge. And then I, I properly read the Bhagavad Gita and, and I, yeah, it kind of, on that time, I really properly read it. Uh, Srila Prabhupada's translation, Bhagavad Gita, as it is, it really kind of just sunk in and it provided all the answers that I needed, you know, for my life. Mm. Oh, definitely, yeah. Because it's, it's the same for me as well, because prior to being a Hare and Islam and like, like Mormonism as well, but I did find some um, comfort in them, but I felt like they weren't um, guiding me properly you know to understand who you know who god is as well i felt like there's parts missing but when i finally came across the vedas it, you know it, it was like mind completely turned like 360 degrees you know i could finally understand you know who god is as a person you know his likes and dislikes and how can i uh best understand them as well and serve them as well mm, mm, fab great great yeah because i've always found one of the verses from the gita um before come to it's um to those who are constantly devoted to so me with love, I give the understanding by which they can come to me. I've always gained, I've always gained um, great strength from that because it's like, you know, Christians tell me there that you know if you want to know me as I um, you know, I can unveil myself, you know, to you as well. But it's like, it's like a two-part relationship as well. You know, if you put the effort, in, you know, Christian will reciprocate as well, even though you feel sometimes like your know, spiritual practice has been stagnating. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, no, I agree completely. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Are there any other spiritual figures that you greatly admire outside the Bhakti tradition? 
I guess I always had a great appreciation for Jesus. Uh, and ironically, I didn't really understand. I, I don't think I really understood Jesus's mission until I joined the Hare Krishna movement. Ironically, uh, I came to I think I came to fully un try and understand what Jesus was was doing. So, yeah, I'd say probably um, Jesus himself. Um, I also have a lot of time for some of the kind of radical reformers in Christian history. So um, I'm trying to think of some that stand out. So, so Ellen G. White, Ellen G. White was the founder of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So interestingly, as far as I'm aware, the Seventh-day Adventist Church is the only church that promotes vegetarianism. So mm. I would say Ellen G. White and also Mary Baker Eddy, uh, founder of another church called the Church of Christ Scientist. These were, were women who kind of, went out of their way to try and change things uh, mm. i might not agree 100 percent with their philo philosophy or their philo theology but i like people who kind of stand out and speak out for what they believe in um you know and try and make a mark and yeah there's probably others over the last 100 years that i've really admired i mean billy graham would be an obvious one in the christian tradition billy graham uh you know a revolutionary Christian preacher and he preached the gospel, um, you know, um, to attract people. And he was very appealing. And um, and yeah, um, they're all springing to mind now. Another one would be John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church. John and his brother Charles founded the Methodist Church in the 1770s. They were kind of um, reformers in Christianity who wanted to kind of shackle shackle yeah shackle the church of england to try and get it to go back to the basics of the bible um so yeah john wesley charles wesley ellen g white mary baker eddie there's been loads <laughs> yeah it's quite um it's quite an extensive list as well i mean yeah, yeah. i've always been I've, I've always you know i've always been trying to like of you know mother Teresa as well and uh master Luther king um i like swami Vivekananda as well and i think his quote as well, you know, spiritual practice is like, you know, um, if there's a God, you know, we must see him. If, if there's a soul, we you know, we must perceive otherwise. It's better to be an outspoken atheist. You know, it's better not to believe because it's like with religion. You know, I think sometimes people, they don't realise, you know, you have to have the experience. You know, you can't believe anything until you have direct God perception because it's like with the chanting, you know, whether it's Kirtan or Japa, you know, you understand that because God's absolute. There's no difference mm. between you know himself and his form, and that that's incredible as well when you finally come to that platform. Yeah, and God isn't exclusive to the Hari Krishnas. God isn't exclusive no. to the Hari Krishna. Movement. And unfortunately, in every religious tradition, even in the Hari Krishna movement, you do find fundamentalists, mm. people who have the view, and I've met them in Iskon who have the view that you know this is the only way, and this is not the only way. This is the best way. Shilo uh, Prabhupada. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the various acharyas, Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasatakur. This is the, they said this is the best way, you know, in the in in the in the Vedas, the chanting of the Hare Krishna mantra in this yuga is the best way to, you know, achieve liberation, God consciousness, Christian consciousness, but it's not the only way. No. Uh, you know, and um so I try I've always tried throughout my life to take a kind of middle ground centrist approach uh on, on on most issues if possible you know to try and be um level-headed yeah because i think with religion sometimes it can be as one of the subjects to say you know religion and politics never to you know talk in public but <laughs> I, I think sometimes it, it is true it's like when you understand 
you know, like all religions, you know, they are of equal value, aren't they? Because it's like, if you compare it to a tree, you know, God's the tree and that the branches are like different, you know, religions, whether it's Hinduism, Christianity, Judaism, Sikhism, Islam, etc. And it's like, you know, the teachings of, you know, Lord Jesus Christ, Moses, you know, um, all the different famous, you know, uh, prophets in the past, they do all, <clears throat> all um, you know, equal value. Because I feel sometimes it you know, religion can become dangerous, like in the wrong hands, like you say, fundamentalist. But I noticed when I started practicing Christian consciousness more, you know, more sincerely that you understand that all religions are equal because, you know, they came to the world the different, the different uh, scriptures, you know, under different, you know, time, place and circumstance as well. Yeah, that, that's, I was actually about to kind of mention that time, place and circumstance. It's the same message, the same message of God consciousness, Krishna consciousness being presented to, you know, to the to the world. But it's being presented by different messengers mm. and it's, it's based time, place and circumstance according to what the people at that time need to hear. Uh, you know, I like to look at it as like an analogy would be somebody's birthday. So say, James, let's, let's pretend it's your birthday today and you get 20 birthday cards through the post. Uh, you might get more. You're a popular guy. So let's say you get let's say you get 20 birthday cards through the post. Now, the message in each card is the same. Happy birthday, James. Have a great day or something similar. But the way the message is presented is always very different. But the envelopes look different. The cards look different who manufactured them is different the price might be different but ultimately the message is always the same yeah yeah true because you know true proper you know always states you know like you know any religion any true religion you know is you know to love god that's that, that's the basis of religion as well to understand him and love him yeah so yeah. the scriptures as well definitely yeah and that's that's shared through in different traditions you know when jesus was asked by the pharisees we read in the new testament uh mm -hmm. you know they said which is the greatest of all the commandments and jesus said love the lord your god with all your heart your mind your soul that's the greatest commandment and the second greatest is to love your neighbor as yourself and yeah. this is the what we hear also through the vedas the vedas the essence of the vedas you know as as shared by Srila Prabhupada with the western world mm -hmm. is that um you know, Krishna says, always think of me, put me first, always put Krishna first, be Krishna conscious, be more Krishna conscious and, and less self-conscious. Yeah, because I'm um, sure Prabhupada said, you know, be conscious first, then be Krishna conscious. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Um, as an organisation, is there anything that ISCON's doing right at the moment or anything that we could improve upon? <laughs> anything so, anything like, that we're doing right and anything that we can improve yeah on. i mean have you done enough so far to promote um equality such as gender race and sexual preference no definitely not we're, we're way behind in terms of you know other really what well, in terms of other religious organizations in terms of promoting equality now mm -hmm. on the one side some devotees will say well we don't really have to to some extent uh iskon is is a spiritual organization and we're presenting a spiritual message and we are you know, following the Vedas, uh, which were written at a certain time, and, and that's the message of a certain time. But no, there's so many, so many things that we as an organization, ISKON, can do to promote equality, to show. That doesn't mean we, we have to do everything that everyone does in the material world. Definitely not. I mean, one key issue that ISKON really needs to get to grips with uh, is this issue of Vaishnavi Diksha Gurus. So, in other words, female gurus. Now, mm -hmm. 
the GBC, which is the governing body commission of ISKCON around the world, has voted in favour of women becoming gurus. It, I think it was last year, after 10 years of debate, 20 years of debate, they finally voted in favour of it. But unfortunately, for whatever reason, that no women, uh, and there are a number of women in ISKCON who are favourites or on the shortlist, if you like, to become uh, female gurus. So, uh, but for some reason, they're not yet. I don't know why. I don't know what's going on with the in internal politics of ISKCON. Now, women, if you look at the history of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, uh, you know, over 500 years, women have played a huge role in the development of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, particularly, particularly Lord Nityananda's second wife, uh, Janavi Mata. She was hugely instrumental in the growth of the Bhakti movement 500 years ago, 450 years ago um, in India. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, we, 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 so theologically, we're not opposed to, to women gurus. We're not the body, uh, you know, we're not the body. So why are we then insisting that gurus have to be men? So on that, on this particular issue, uh, you know, which the Church of England introduced a quarter of a century ago, and we're a quarter of a century behind. Uh, we really have to get to grips with this issue of women gurus. Uh, you know, um, I have no problem, and I'm saying this as a man on your podcast, I have a no problem with women having positions of leadership. Actually, you, you could argue politically or institutionally, women are better leaders than men uh, yeah. because women are more in touch with emotions and heart. You know, if you look at the, uh, I can't name the five countries because I've forgotten, but I read something on, on the in, online recently that if you look at the COVID pandemic over the last year, uh, the countries led by women have actually done better in terms of managing the situation, yeah. managing, uh, you know, just dealing with it in an emotional way and running the country. I mean, I think those five countries, and they're not all five nation states to be absolutely clear. So they're, so they're uh, New Zealand, uh, Scotland, yeah. uh, Taiwan. Uh, I think Germany to some extent was on the list, but it's dropped off. <laughs> but there are five <laughs> countries overall led by women that have done very well, you know, with this, with this pandemic. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Because I feel sometimes there's a stigma, but I think even within the church that, women should be uh, seen but not heard. But, you know, it's like, you know, you, the Vedas teaches that, you know, there's no difference between men and women on the, on the spiritual form. You know, we're all spiritual beings, aren't we? We're all souls. But, you know, I've got no problem like yourself, Prabhuji. You know, it's like if I had a, you know, Diksha Guru, I've got no problem because the only necessary quality is a qualification. You know, if a woman's got the right qualifications to become a spiritual master, I, I'm all for it, definitely. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, also, you know, there's more women in the world than there are men. I think it's 48, 52. Yeah. Women, people are men. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely say on, on, on female gurus, we need to do better. Um, what other issues kind of stand, stand up? Um, I think we, we my, this is a personal view, not necessarily ISKCON's view. I think we need to do better at uh, uh, social action you know, whatever that means. So in terms of being out involved in the community more. Now, uh, the big social action initiative that the Hare Krishnas are well known for is prashadam distribution. Mm. So we distribute prashadam. Uh, uh, Parasharam Prabhu, who is like a the guru of prashadam distribution, his organization, Food for All, uh, 
which uh, he's been doing for 20 years, I think, uh, distributing five, 6,000 mils a day in London and the rest of the country, uh, which is fantastic. But I think I would like to see, if you look at, you know, we've, we've had 50 years of this, kind of the next 50 years, I'd like to see us become more, when I say involved in the community, I don't mean, you know, doing things we don't want to be doing, but I mean things that, that there's a gap, like, you know, running more schools, Gaudiya Vaishnav Hare Krishna schools, uh, running women's um, refuges, support for, 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 for women, um, uh, running kind of, social events not to socialize necessarily but to run events where we're, we're you know for example you know this uh i don't know world cancer awareness month you know why cancer affects everyone whether you're muslim or harry krishna or, or yeah. atheist you know the harry krishnas can also get involved in raising awareness of cancer you know from our perspective a vaishnava perspective we would say well if you don't eat meat you don't drink alcohol uh you know you don't take drugs those are the some fantastic ways not to get cancer so we can be involved in some of those pursuits oh, sorry some of those themes that are seen as worldly but actually we can add a vaishnava um argument or attitude to it yeah, I, I do agree because I feel. Do you think? So, do you think? Well, Acecon as an organisation, do you think we need like a public figure, whether it's someone famous like Russell Brand, who um, is famously known for his um, uh, well admiration for the Hare Krishna teachings? Could someone like him raise the awareness best on on um, social media platforms as well? You know, Hare Krishnas. Yeah, I mean, so. Yes, it's the short answer. Yes, I agree. I mean, George Harrison was massively fundamental to the growth yeah. of this gone in the 60s and 70s and after that. And a lot of people like yourself come to the Hare Krishna movement 50 years later because of George Harrison. So that's wonderful. So we definitely need another George Harrison. On a personal level, I'm not the biggest fan of Russell Brand. Uh, no. uh, I mean, some of the comments he's made, I'm not kind of keen on or, or supportive of. Uh, some devotees would take the view that Iskon or Krishna devotees should stay out of politics. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean not vote. I do vote personally. I think it's really important. Um, but, you know, try not to try to be indifferent and neutral to political issues and political situations. And Russell Brand, from my understanding, is quite left wing. Mm -hmm. You know, he's made some comments uh, that uh, I've not liked. Uh, and uh, and how does this affect our preaching in our outreach? I'll give you one example. So uh, I was at uh, the Pershaw Plum Festival in Worcestershire about three years ago uh, with Food for All, with ISKCON festivals. Um, um, up to the pandemic, we were going every summer and distributing meals to the people at the festival. Hmm. So Pershaw is a very kind of conservative middle class town, you know, and um, uh, on the Food for All van, there was a picture of Russell Brandt. To, to suggest that he was supporting food for all, which he was, I'm sure he does. Anyway, yeah. this lady said, I'm not going to take your Hare Krishna food because it's supported by Russell Brand. And that was her only reason. You know, mm. so she, ha she has more conservative values, which is fine. People are allowed to have those. But she wouldn't take any prashadam because we were associated with Russell Brand. And I actually felt a bit sad, actually. Uh, you know, uh, so, yeah, definitely, definitely a celebrity. But on a personal level, I always have to stress it's personal, uh, you know, not Russell Brand. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, a lot, I, was, I was just thinking, Emperor, um, I can remember during one of the, the first rough reactions, I think it was New York, if I'm not mistaken, you know, Donald Trump, I think he did have too much uh, persuasion by devotees. He actually 
uh, funded the first, was it the first Rafi Atch in New York or one of the first? No, I think he did something to help one of the Rafi Atches in yeah, the 90s yeah. or the 80s. I mean, the first one was 1968. No, that was San yeah. Francisco. I don't think Donald Trump was, I think, yeah, I, I think it was later on. He, he helped get the Rathiatra approval from the council or something. Oh, yeah. um, or some like like in the 90s or the 80s or something like that. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, I don't think I don't think Poe Trump might be the best um, politician. <laughs> but hey ho. <laughs> um, how's your family uh, taking to your uh, spiritual practice? Have they seen any improvements or any positive changes? I hope so. I mean, I've never really asked them. I mean, when I first joined the Harry Christian Movement in 2004, I think my mum was a little bit unsure about it. You know, I was 20 at the time. She didn't really know what it was all about. Uh, my stepdad doesn't do religion at all. He's not interested. Uh, ironically, though, he's a massive fan of the Beatles. <laughs> he loves George Harrison. Got George Harrison's picture around the house, but doesn't do religion. Um, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I hope that so. I think when I rejoined, if you like, in 2012, in those kind of years I was away, I'd become very successful materially. Uh, you know, I drove a nice car and, you know, this and that, all these material things. So I had proved to my family I could be successful materially. So at the age of 28, it was time to really delve deep into my spiritual life. And mm. I think they've been supportive of it. I mean, they don't understand. They don't really want to understand. I mean, when I was initiated, um, I didn't tell them I was getting initiated. A lot of devotees, some devotees are quite open with their family and their family go to initiations. But my family are, I was like, yeah, they, they didn't come. I mean, you know, so and anyway, I was initiated. And as a lot of people do, I put the picture on Facebook and my mum is my friend on Facebook, which is a bit embarrassing. So <laughs> I went, I thought, well, I've really got to go and see my mum. So I was passing her house the next day. I went in and I opened the door and the very first thing she said to me was, oh, you've had a busy weekend, haven't you? And, uh, <laughs> and I said, yeah, well, I'm initiated and I've got a guru now. And, um, and I, then I said to her straight away, I said, look, you know, I've been given this name Narada Das, but you can still call me Nathan because you gave me that name. You know, it's, you know, you know, and she said, well, I wasn't going to call you anything else. <laughs> so that was, we kind of, I just kind of dealt with it when I was initiated and, you know, and she's great, my mum. I mean, she knows my diet. Um, she thinks the onion and garlic thing is just all in my head and it's not really that and she doesn't understand the modes of nature. But if I go around, she'll she'll make me something that's suitable, you know, mm. for me to then offer to the Lord in my heart. You know, it's not no onions and garlic. And even if I don't ask for no onions and garlic, she insists, she makes sure it has no onions and garlic and she'll make me something from scratch. I mean, she's a great cook, actually. She oh, loves cool. being a host and she's met, devotees she came to a kirtan once at stonehenge mm. it was for the summer solstice and i was doing the kirtan and she's there just looking at her watch kept looking at her watch and she said oh don't they sing any other songs <laughs> you know? yeah that's funny <laughs> funny, oh, uh, funny enough that's what mum said once as well yeah, yeah. So, I, mean, you know, I mean yeah i'm the oldest of four boys and the others you know i'm the one that's a bit odd i guess we're all odd to some extent so mm. yeah that's my family that's my family yeah because within my family as well i'm the only one who's really taken to the spiritual practice apart from my granddad but um I, well my sister did say to me and on numerous occasions that you know she, she has seen you know a good positive change in me like a more calmer more relaxed as well because 
um, I'd been suffering, you know, from like anxiety as well and panic attacks, but I seem to have like nipped them in the board as well, which is good. But I think my family do understand the meditation process more so Ketan and Jaffa, but when I dive deep into like the philosophy, only like droplets, so I don't go in too heavy because I wouldn't like to overburden them. They yeah. understand it to some degree, but they don't seem to be um, interested as such, which is, you know, fine. I mean, each to their own because I'm. Mean, you know, they say, you know, Krishna says in the Gita, like, you know, a, you know, a great soul after many births and deaths, you know, one who's in knowledge me surrenders on to me. Um, is it right to say that during the preaching process that if a person wasn't meant to be a devotee within this lifetime, could that person's destiny be changed so they could become a devotee if it's from a pure devotee? Mm, I have to admit, I'm not sure about that. I mean, theologically and philosophically, I'm not sure. Um could if their destiny is not to be a devotee in the list life could their destiny change i don't yeah. know is the answer to that um what i think i know is that eventually we all go home in the end mm. we all go back to godhead eventually if some of us take longer than others and some of us need more help than others and i really love that I, that's i found it so comforting because i spent my early 20s in evangelical christianity where you know it's made very clear that it's this life, 75, 80 years, however long you've got. And your 70, 80 years on this life determine where you'll be for eternity, heaven or hell. Mm -hmm. And I find that so depressing. And more often than not, I used to come out to church feeling depressed that I wasn't doing the right things. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, doing, I was, I was a sinner. You know, I used to feel really depressed. <laughs> I mean, I am a sinner. We're all sinners. We all fall yeah. short of the glory of God. That's why we're stuck in this miserable material existence, you know. Um, but I, I mean, I I don't, as a comparison, when I was in my 20s and I was kind of going for that evangelical Christian phase, I would get a little bit depressed that my family weren't Christians. and They weren't following Jesus, uh, mm. you know, because they're going to go to hell. Uh, now, I definitely don't think that at all now. Now I think, well, hopefully in another lifetime or a lifetime after that, you know, uh, my family might become devotees, uh, you know, or they might become good Muslims or they might join the Church of Scientology. I mean, I, I, yeah. uh, I don't know. But the point is, you know, we all there are hellish planets and we, we might go there for a temporary period of time. But eternal hell doesn't exist in that. Well, some people say eternal hell is being stuck in this lifetime for several lifetimes. But but no. I, so the answer to your question is I don't know if I'm honest. I don't know. No, because I, I don't. Well, from like you know, you know, reading about you know different religions and the astros, I, I just I can't agree that you know a loving, compassionate God would send someone you know to help eternity because then there's no chance to you know re, you know reform as a person you know and to um try and you know attain God as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, on terms of like initiation, then if a devotee within their lifetime hadn't. Uh, taking shelter with a spiritual master but had progressed to 16 rounds and formed the four uh, regulative principles and also associating with senior devotees could their spiritual journey be con uh, considered a success yeah yeah definitely definitely did you say the first bit if they weren't initiated or they weren't initiated yeah um, if they weren't initiated at in this like, oh yeah definitely i know many yeah. devotees they've been around for 20 30 years who've never taken formal initiation i mean Prabhupada yeah. did say that you know whoever reads my books is initiated uh yeah. you know there george harrison wasn't initiated in that formal diksha yeah. sense um you know 
um, so I think someone said to Prabhupada, oh, aren't you going to give him a spiritual name or give him a new name? And Prabhupada said, no, he's already got a spiritual name. His name's Hari, son, son of <laughs> Hari, son of God. Yeah. You know, uh, no, no, for his for George Harrison was known as George Harrison. So people will buy his music because he's George Harrison. If his name's, mm. name's changed to Ganga Prabhu or whatever, I can't think of yeah. any keys. <laughs> you know, it might, he might not sell as many records that are <laughs> that involve that include lyrics about Krishna. So yeah, definitely, I know not devotees been around for 20, 30 years. You know, ultimately, you read Srila Prabhupada's books. You 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 try and chant a minimum of sixteen rounds a day, and follow the regulated principles. You know, and the Lord is very merciful. Lord, you know, Krishna, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu are very merciful. You know, God isn't you know my um, a judgmental man with a white beard in the clouds. Mm. Um, you know, Lord Krishna and Radharani, Shimata Radharani, he's eternal level there in the in, in the fields of Vrindavan, you know, playing and mm. that is the eternal kind of divine love story or, or our relationship is being involved with that spiritual experience. So no, I, I would say it's a formality, kind of Diksha initiation. Um uh generally, I mean, this is my personal view now, that the ISKCON certainly over the last 50 years uh, since it's been around just plays a lot of emphasis on diksha initiation but yeah. if you look at if you look at the parampara that we follow so you go to a Har iskon temple you see the four or five acharyas a lot of those acharyas i think there's four or five pictures at least half of them are not connected by diksha they're connected by shiksha so shiksha mm. is instruction or guidance as opposed to formal initiation uh you know so uh yeah, uh, uh, I've got it in front of me now. Back to you know, Thakur's uh, 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 Diksha Guru was actually Bipin Bihara Goswami, who's not on mm. the list. His, uh, Jagannath Das Babaji, before him on the on the picture, is actually kind of a Shiksha Guru, not mm. a Diksha Guru. So, you know, uh, yeah, it's about, I think also, you know, Shiksha, um, devotees will weigh up Shiksha and Diksha in their head according to their own understanding of their own, their own, preference i guess yeah yeah because i feel sometimes some people feel um like underwhelmed i feel like you know if they don't have a spiritual mass and they feel like the spiritual journey is um basically that's it's ruined isn't it it's not successful i don't agree with that because you know it's like what you said you know when you take to the teachings of sure Prabhupada, read his books and implement his teachings into your life you know you are initiated on you as well because you've got that specific relationship with um is divine grace and it's true because it's like you know there are many shiksha gurus as well you know you can learn a great deal often as well yeah i mean i did the word that just comes to mind is vani vani means uh you know follow the presence of the guru by his instructions Prabhupada said i'll, I'll always be present in my books you know read my books um you know and and and, and uh I think how I say this, so I don't sound critical. A number of devotees will always want a physical, they want a guru present on earth. So mm -hmm. the guru dies physically, then they go and search for a new guru. Well, that that isn't really showing, this is a personal view again, strong faith. We need to have faith in the process and faith in the in the spiritual system, in the parampara. That Prabhupada said, you know, when I'm gone, okay, I'm gone physically, but my books, I'm present in my books, you know, read my books. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I, I, I mean, Shiksha, 
if you look at okay look at christianity as an example a lot of christians well most christians will say i'm a disciple of jesus christ i'm a follower of jesus well you can't some people say well you can't be a disciple of jesus christ because he's not here physically to give you any kind of deep initiation but they mean as a shiksha way they don't use that word um but that's kind of what they mean so you know i've spoke to a number of devotees uh, in iskon who might not have the best relationship with their guru or might not have a guru in that diksha sense or are i'll just be honest they're disappointed with their guru something's happened mm. something's gone wrong and i said look just take, take shelter of Srila Prabhupada. he is the you know founder of chariot of iskon and once and for all time uh you know he is the shiksha guru for all iskon devotees so read his books mm. you know uh and and associate with you know because we can still do this um there are, a lot of them are still alive Prabhupada disciples a lot of them are still alive um, they're not that old. <laughs> so associate with them who met Prabhupada physically. Yeah. Take their association. Yeah, because it's like your spiritual master, H.G. Goswami. He's a, a brilliant example as well. Someone who's, you know, he was the uh, secretary, wasn't he, for uh, Shula Prabhupada at one stage? Yeah, I mean, he's been around a long time. If you look at the original GBC, the Governing Body Commission, um, and there was 11 gurus. Prabhupada mm. set up this system of 11 gurus before he passed away. Of those 11 gurus, only three of them are left in Iskon, and mm. Ridai Nandagaswami is one of them. Yeah, he's been around quite a long time. Yeah, I've, I've always been attracted to his teachings because it seems uh, so relevant, in, especially in like today's society, where he brings that sense of humour as well. You know, where it's not like you know, where with like some organisations where you know, you know, you you can't be uh, happy or you know, laughing, you know, you've got to be serious. But with you know, where you know, where Guru Maharaj, you know, he. he it makes it interesting and valuable as well, which has always been um, great comforting to me as well. Like I, I like um, Sachin and Swami as well because I'm aspiring for him as well currently. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it's good to kind of keep an open mind, um, yeah. open door approach, and you know, just take 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 it, let it evolve naturally. I mean, I'm certainly of the view that we have to we have to. It's fundamental. That's the only thing I'm fundamentalist about. We have to fundamentally present Krishna consciousness to a Western audience in a way they will understand. Now, unfortunately, there are a few of us, like yourself, myself, other devotees I can think of, from a Western background uh, that have joined the Hare Krishna movement uh, because we might be attracted to the colours and the smells and the prashadam. I mean, I was actually attracted to philosophy. Um, but we're a, we're a rare breed. There's not many of us. Uh, and, and ultimately, people in the Western, you know, I'm from a working class village in Somerset. People in the village that I'm from will not join the Hare Krishna movement if they see it as an Indian organization. You know, no. we can pray as much as we want. We can believe in miracles as much as we want, but it will not happen. So we have to present Krishna consciousness in a way that normal people, whatever that means, <laughs> they, they understand. And on the issue of, of, of humor, I'll just show you a story. I'll show you a story share with you a story i was in turkey about six seven years ago visiting a friend wasn't devotee but you know i have friends who are not devotees believe it or not and i went to see him he's living in istanbul with his girlfriend his girlfriend was kind of from a kind of liberal muslim family and i was showing them videos on my ipad one evening and one of them was uh, um, a rathiatra might have been london rathiatra might have not so i was showing the rathiatra explaining what was what and my friend's girlfriend said oh but that's not a religion I said, well, why is it not a religion? She said, well, they're all having too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. she was from this, Mus you know, I'm not attacking Muslims at all. She was from this Muslim background where she, she saw religion as a very serious thing. 
and you shouldn't laugh, you shouldn't smile, you know. And she didn't think the Hare Krishnas was a, a real religion because they were having too much fun. <laughs> you know, I said, well, this is, you know. So I always remember that. That was a long time ago, but I remember that very well. Yeah, it's true because, you know, side religion, you know, you've got to have like a sense of humour as well. And, you know, if, if you've not got the enthusiasm, you're not going, well, eventually, you know, you won't want to um, progress as well because, you know, once you get the taste, you know, whether it's, you know, Peshwad, if you pardon the pun, um, you know, you not, you know, you'll be inclined to, you know, want to learn more about the process, you know, of, of um, the Vedas as well. And I feel with like some um, Christian groups, you know, I'm not going to knock Christianity where mm. they take it quite serious, you know, where, you know, just show up, you know, just listen to what you say, you know, believe in God, you know, because, you know, that. but I, I don't agree with that because religion, you know, the main purpose of religion is to have the experience, you know, because if you can't have an experience of God, then, you know, what's the point of practicing it? Yeah, no, definitely, I agree. It, it has to be experiential and not kind of rule-driven, dogmatic. It has to be our relationship with God, with Krishna, has to be experiential. Yeah, sure. Um, is there anything that, you know, we as the Hare Krishna movement could do better right now to promote the teachings of Srila Prabhupada to a wider audience? I think we need, need to get better at communication, uh, and I mean that internally as well as externally. We have to get better at communicating with the outside world. Uh, so, uh, and uh, this is a detailed thing now, we need to have a national communication strategy for, you know, uh, liaising with the media, liaising with, um, you know, communications organisations. Uh, people won't know about us unless we tell them what we're doing. So in my day job, I work in communications and PR. And uh, I was uh, with a group of devotees. We were organizing a festival, Hare Krishna festival in Swindon, maybe, maybe in Swindon about three years ago. So I sent a news article to the BBC to tell them that the Hare Krishnas were in town. And they rang me up and they wanted to talk to me on the radio. So I went on the radio show. And one of the first questions, they said, well, where have the Hare Krishnas gone? We haven't seen them for 40 years. So they, their perception, which is a true perception to some extent, is back in the 60s and 70s and parts of the 80s. There were Hare Krishna devotees in, in every town. Well, not every town, literally. In a lot of towns and cities across the UK, chanting. Uh, that still happens in some of the bigger cities, certainly London and maybe some of the others like Manchester, maybe Birmingham. But the, the, the physical presence, if you like, of the Hare Krishna movement on the streets of the UK is not what it used to be. No. Definitely isn't what it used to be. So if we can't do that because our numbers have gone down, we need to find a new and well, not new, a, a different way of communicating with the public using the media. And ISKCON needs to have a more consistent approach to communication. There's lots of Facebook pages uh, that are run by ISKCON devotees that have thousands of followers like, you know, uh, uh, I'm not going to name any, actually. Then <laughs> we get upset. Uh, and and they're all good. You know, I think ISKCON London has got like a quarter of a million followers, That's which good. is fantastic. Really, really good. But we need to have a more consistent joined up approach because the Hare Krishna movement does also does believe it or not exist outside of London. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are devotees all over the UK. So we have to get a lot better at communication mm. to the extent that, you know, like... Um, when there's a topical issue on the news or one of these chat shows, you know, they'll ring, they'll ring the church, they'll ring the Archbishop of Canterbury, they'll ring, you know, from the Anglican church, they'll ring someone from senior from the Muslim tradition, they'll ring the chief rabbi. Well, we also want them to ring the Hare Krishnas mm. and to 
you know, ask the Hare Krishnas, what do you think about this particular moral issue like abortion or same-sex marriage or euthanasia or, or immigration or vaccines? You know, so we need to get better at communication. Yeah, definitely. Because I've, you know, I've, I've realised on numerous occasions, you know, um, I do visit Liverpool quite regularly. And there used to be um, a Hare Krishna presence there, but it doesn't seem to exist, unfortunately, at the moment. It's quite a shame because... I just don't feel like, well, maybe one uh, stage during the pandemic we were preaching more. So because I think, uh, well, especially now more more than ever, I think quite a lot of people they were trying to spirituality, you know, to understand how they can overcome this difficulty and, and how to understand who the true they are. But I don't know. I, I just don't. I feel like in the north of England, it's not really presented well. Um, the preaching. I mean, don't get me wrong. London's absolutely brilliant because it's like. The main city in the UK, but I, f- I just felt like we're falling behind. I mean, maybe one uh, way we could combat is maybe having more open events, so we can, you know we can explain you know who we are, uh, you know the philosophy, but also hold kirtans and maybe distribute prasadam as well. So if it's done, you know, gently, not forcefully as well. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, I mean, obviously. I'm aware this is going out for public consumption, so I'm not going to say too much, but there are, you know, leaders in ISKCON that have responsibilities to do certain things. And basically, we internally need to get better at communication to, you know, ex- communicate with the outside world. And I'm aware of that that gap uh, in the North, and there are national preaching programmes that, that try to address it, but, you know, for whatever happened... It, reason it doesn't happen there are individuals also I, I you know to give a shout out to uh that you know uh give a shout out actually to Dianander Maharaj uh mm. and also uh, probably also Kripa Moya Prabhu who who do go out of their way to travel and go to some of these smaller areas to you know preach to people uh because um this is a personal view you know you know back to Manor is wonderful uh but if we just all get consumed with back to Manor, well you know yeah I'm more like, if I go to the manor, I just feel lost because I don't really, I've been going for 15, 20 years on and off and I just feel lost. So I'd rather go to a smaller community like Karuna Bhavan in Scotland where, mm. I, where I'm where i kind of known and I have a role, uh, you know, and I'm not just a, a digit on a piece of paper or just a name. I'm actually somebody, I'm, I'm a personality. So, yeah, there has to be, I mean, I guess in everyone's defence, we've had this pandemic, so things haven't happened the way they should have happened. But there needs to be a better national, not just a strategy, actually putting the strategy um, into into action yeah yeah definitely um one of the uh, taboo subjects within iscon is sex and it seems to be a brush under the carpet and not discussed openly within devotees um i've i've, I've also realized like uh, through research as well that iscon seems that well seems to have a high divorce rate um i, I feel like uh, you know devotees born into the organization not given the education you know that they need you know, to learn about marriage and relationships. And also, I think on one article that I read as well, you know, um, some married couples avoid uh, physical contact, such as hugging, to avoid unwanted desires. I mean, do you think something's gone wrong in the uh, message <laughs> down the line? Because, I mean, it's like, you know, other organisations like Christianity and Islam, you know, it's sex is, you know, it, 
is is accepted you know as what it is you know the purpose of procreation but also it's a god-given right as well within a marriage uh what what are your views on it yeah well where do you want me to start how long have you got we want to talk about <laughs> sex i mean um it's 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 a difficult one because um a lot of people so Prabhupada said lots of things right so Prabhupada said lots of things and we can put them in different categories. So we can put some of his statements into categories of kind of time, place and circumstance. Mm. So that was relevant to that particular devotee, that particular time that was right for that particular devotee in his or her life. Um, so and then there's also statements that Prabhupada made that are more kind of um, sacrosanct, that can't be changed, that are for all eternity to some extent. Mm. So the, the kind of very basics, if you like, the kind of default line on those fundamental things that can't be changed is that uh, the, the recommended number of rounds for a devotee to chant each day is a minimum of 16, and then the four regulated principles. So other things are kind of changeable to some extent. Mm. So our things that we wear, our dress code is kind of changeable. Um, uh, what else? Um, uh, food, obviously not eating meat, but I mean, whether it's more of a Western diet, like pizza and chips, or whether mm. it's more of an Indian thing, like dal and rice, and they're both good. I like them all, by the way. <laughs> like, yes, they're indifferent to whether it's Indian food or not. So I don't really care as long as it tastes good. Um, mm. But obviously, one of those regulator principles is the issue of sex. And when you're initiated into ISKCON, you make a vow to only have physical sex uh, for procreation. So in one sense, it's a very obvious biological thing. The male genitalia and the female genitalia, you know, if they're put together... Uh, they create a baby. That's how babies are made through having yeah. sex. Okay, but also, um, so that's a, that's a very difficult one to change, and we shouldn't try and change that. That's what Prabhupada has left us. Uh, you make a vow, but also we have to recognize that all devotees, as well as everyone else, seven billion people on the planet, we are stuck in this material world, and we are attached through Maya by Maya. And sexual attraction, and I think even Shiro Prabhupada said this, is one of the strongest things that there is, you know, sexual attraction. Uh, you know, the ma a man's ego is, is a, one of the most strongest. Man's testosterone is one of the strongest things in the world. Um, so, yeah, it's not an easy subject. I think in the Hare Krishna movement, we should accept and recognize that, you know, to get to this principle, this regulated principle of only sex for procreation in marriage. We realize that not everyone's going to get there. Everyone's going to need more help than others. Mm -hmm. And everyone's not going to get there in this lifetime. And we have to accept that, you know, physical attraction sometimes is very strong and people might want to have sex with each other. Because in real in the in real life or in the real world, which some devotees say I shouldn't stay, because the mm -hmm. real world's the spiritual world, which it is, but it's a figure of speech. In the real world, you know, back at the ranch, as Rianda Mara says, mm -hmm other people attractive are we gonna lock ourselves in a room and not go out no so we no. have to we have to realize that i think as adults we should have more open conversation about sex uh you know i'm quite on a this is a personal thing now not necessarily an gone thing i'm quite libertarian about how people live their lives what people do you know behind closed doors uh between two consenting adults is their business and sometimes you could say that religious organizations shouldn't be involved, get interfering, no, no pun intended, in someone's private life, what they get up to um, in the bedroom. So yeah. on that view, which you can imagine is quite liberal, I am also, you know, a supporter of same-sex relationships. Well, why yeah, wouldn't you be? 
you know, if a man finds another man attractive, that is a, a, a natural thing. They haven't woken up one day. Well, I'm going to be gay today or I'm going to be a lesbian. I'm going to find someone of the same biological sex attractive. Well, life doesn't work like that. You know, men, you know, Prabhupada, Srila Prabhupada's two, first two disciples were two gay men. Oh. And, you know, and I, I think Prabhupada was aware of that. To be honest, I'm not sure, but they were two gay men. You know, if Prabhupada thought it was that awful, he wouldn't have taken them on. I mean, in terms of a man having attraction to another man, he wouldn't have taken them on as his disciples. So I think as adult, I think I think that I think so. What am I saying here in a roundabout way? I'm saying, A, we have to recognize that Prabhupada's statement on sex in marriage for procreation is is truth, is the truth. And we should all aim or aspire to that. But also not be so hard on each other and recognize that devotees will find that difficult. Um, you know, um, yeah, but we do as adults uh, have should have, you know, at the appropriate time, a more adult conversation about sex. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Swift moving on. <laughs> um, so, um, have you gained any realizations uh, since you started to chant the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra? Wow, have I gained any realizations? Um, I'm getting older. That's one of them. Um, <laughs> no, I mean realizations. Yeah, I mean realization is the mantra works. It definitely works. I mean those people. Anyone listening to his podcast will know that I'm kind of all over the place all the time. I have a very short attention span. I can't sit down for very long. And so, years and years ago, the me the idea of me doing any form of yoga is complete like nonsense. I'm not going to sit down and. Just you know, fold my legs and cross my legs and do, I just can't, I can't do that. So when I discovered kind of back to yoga and, and kind of Japa meditation, chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, I thought this is fantastic because I don't have to sit down. <laughs> I can if yeah. I want to, I can walk, I can go for a walk. And, and actually, you know, um, it's very, probably pretty much impossible to still the mind. It's kind of traditional Buddhist idea that you're trying to still the mind is impossible. It's impossible for me anyway. So I, if, if so my mind can't be stilled, so let's focus my mind on something positive like Krishna, uh, thinking about Krishna's pastimes, Krishna's teachings, thinking of Srila Prabhupada, going for walks in the countryside and thinking of the beauty of Krishna's creation, you know, um, and, and just sometimes uh, listening to the words, listening to the names, Krishna, Hari and Rama, you know, and um, a long time ago, I thought, wow, I've never get to, I'll never get to 16 rounds a day and chanting this, this mantra over and over again. And now it's like just like brushing your teeth just get up and do it <laughs> yeah. um, so your realization for me is it works and if people just give it a chance it will bring some benefit to their lives yeah because i've noticed as well for me you know you know under any circumstance you know that i'm in you know whether it's in work on a busy shift well, you know when i do chant the mantra it does have a profound effect i mean you know it seems to calm all the senses down you know it brings me in tune with you know with reality as well and um you know it's like i've said before you know on the, on the other podcast you know the word harry you know refers to the energy of the lord you know in relation to shumati radivani and krishna as well you know being the old attractive person and rama the where's all of all pleasure i mean mm -hmm. when you do mm -hmm. finally come you know into understanding that you know it does profoundly change your life doesn't it definitely i mean it's and also just to point out for me personally, um, not, not straight away, uh, you know, it takes a while, you know, 
Yes. Maybe some devotees have an instant change in their lives. And this is the issue of faith or shraddha, which we don't actually talk about often in Krishna consciousness. No. You have to have faith in it to start with it. It works because to start with, it just felt like a chore. I just have to chant this because, you know, I want to get initiated or because I want to feel like I'm in the in the crowd or I want to feel like I'm part of the team. Uh, no, I don't feel like it's a chore at all. I feel like it's a, a beneficial spiritual thing for me on, on a daily basis. Yeah, because um, in the chanting Bihab book, you know, the famous interview between Makunda Goswami and George, um, you know, Makunda famously states that the, the Maha Mantra was prescribed for modern times because of the fast-paced nature of things today. You know, even when people, you know, do get into a little quiet place, it's very difficult to calm the mind for very long. And, you know, it's like, um, you know, uh, it, it carries on saying, you know, why don't you ask, you know, Shri Prabhupada about a particular verse he quoted from the Vedas, in which it's said that one who chants the holy names of Krishna, uh, Krishna dances on the tongue, <clears throat> and one wishes to have thousands of ears and thousands of mouths, you know, with which to appreciate the holy names of God. And, you know, George, you know, says, you know, yes, I think he was talking about the realisation that there's no difference between him standing before you and him and him being present in his name, you know, because that's that's the truth about you know the holy name. You know, there's no difference between God and His name because you know mm. you can constantly chant His name. You know, Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. And it never seems to get born, doesn't it? Because it's not <clears throat> affected by material, uh, you know, life is it as well? Yeah. No. Definitely, I agree. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, well, again, on to the most important question on the podcast. Um, you've got a book um, that's due for uh, promotion. Is it in the autumn? Yeah, well, it might be as soon as July. Uh, oh, July, about good. four weeks' time. Yeah, yeah, because um, yeah. Yeah, it delves deep into the history of the Hare Krishna movement within the UK. How did you find the um, research process? Uh, I find you... it very liberating. Sorry, I cut you off. I think. <laughs> no, so I was going to say, uh, no, that's, um, did you find anything new that you didn't already know about the different Sampradites? Yeah, I, I, I learned so many things, you know. Um, I mean, I, uh, I'm almost 37, and... Two years ago, I turned 35 and I made this bucket list of things I want to do in my life. And one of them was to write a book. I don't want to get rich by the book. I don't want to. I just want to write a book. You know, I came to Krishna consciousness through a degree in the study of religion at university. So I want to write a book. So I spent two uh, two years researching, writing a book about the history and diversity of the Hare Krishna movement in the UK. Uh, it's called The Hare Krishnas in Britain. It'll be out a, uh, on Amazon in about a month's time. I've got the designer just working on it. And what I... Did, what I wanted to do was to really look at the modern Hare Krishna movement in Britain today. So that means ISKCON and other organizations, believe it or not, there are other organizations uh, that promote Krishna consciousness, Chaitanya Vaishnavism, Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Mm. And so what I wanted to do was to research it, was to look at it. Uh, and in order to do that, though, I realized I had to look at the history of the Hare Krishna movement in the UK. So some of the things that have really stood out for me is when I spent a lot longer than I thought on the history of the Hare Krishna movement, I spent I spent months researching what actually happened in the 1930s. And, you know, the devotee that really helped me most with that was Bhaktivakashwami. Bhaktivakashwami is an ISKCON guru based in South India. And he wrote uh, another book about 12 years ago that included some information about the 1930s in Britain. Um, so I read that and I did research and I interviewed people. And that was fascinating because, you know, Certainly ISKCON, 
uh, arrived on British shores in 1968. But actually, the Hare Krishna movement had been in the thir- in the UK for 30 years before that. Uh, and Srila Prabhupada's guru, Srila Baxi's Dante Sarasvati Thakur, he sent five of his disciples. So a lot of devotees think it's three. It wasn't three. It was five. He sent five disciples to London in the 1930s to, you know, prepare, promote promote and share Krishna consciousness. Those devotees opened a temple. They had a temple at 39 Drayton Gardens in Kensington. And every night for at least two years, they were having kirtan, prasadam distribution, classes and various things. So there was a lively Hare Krishna community in London in the 1930s. And around seven Westerners were initiated in London in the 1970s. So that was fascinating. Um, I learned a lot about that. And also to learn about other people in history. So one of them might, some devotees might have heard of Ronald Nixon. Uh, Ronald Nixon, uh, this is the short story. He was a World War I pilot, British guy from uh, Cheltenham, Gloucestershire, and he was in World War I. Uh, he had a near-death experience, then felt the need, he survived obviously, felt the need to go to India. Uh, when he was in India in 1921, he converted to Gaudiya Vaishnavism, mm-hmm. uh, was initiated in Vrindavan. And we believe he was the first Westerner to be initiated to, to convert to Gaudiya Vaishnavism in the 1920s. Uh, and then to go back even further, I mean, all this is in the book. There's another character called um, uh, Bharat Premananda, I think. And in 1902, uh, he was on his way to America. He was a Gaudiya Vaishnav, you know, um, devotee. And he stopped off in London. Uh, in 1902 to work. He worked for a newspaper in London in 1902 and he was a Hare Krishna. Uh, so the Hare Krishnas have actually been here for 120 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's also actually thanks. Is that a weird way to put it? You know, the British rule over India. Indians wanted to come to Britain and British people were in- interested in things that were seen as Indian. So that was fascinating. And then, um, you know, in terms of the research for the for the book, um, you know, uh, I used Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur as a starting point. So that's Srila Prabhupada's guru. And I worked out all of his disciples and their different groups and their different maps and, you know, tried to piece it all together in some kind of, because I'm a man and I want to put everything into boxes in my head. Uh, so, and, and that was fascinating, you know, and so it was a great learning experience to see that the Hare Krishna family is actually very big and very broad um, uh, in the UK. I was brilliant. Yeah, because, um, well, funny enough, um, I'm from Cheltenham originally, so I think that, well, even, you know, even, you know, from just listening to that, you know, I have that same connection as well. And I think sometimes, like you say, you know, um, I think there seems to be a tendency of, like, maybe one or two different sampadars where, you know, um, you know, like they agreed, you know, like only our paths are right way, but I think our paths is, is um, of equal value, you know, obviously it's, might be the most um, liberating or liberating process in the modern age, but mm-hmm. um, I do agree that you know all different sampradayas they are of immense value on me as well. And it's incredible to think you know how much you know God of has contributed towards you know UK society as well. Yeah, I mean for me it's just a personal view. Uh, I know some devotees won't share this view. I think the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, the Hare Krishnas, um, should be more like the Christians. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of towns and villages and cities, um, they'll have something like called churches together or Christians together. So in a village, you'll have the Anglicans, the Catholics, the Methodists, the Baptists, and they're all their own separate, distinct individual churches. They're their own dominations. But two or three times a year, they'll get together to pray, to worship, to sing together. Uh, and that's great. They do that and they, they you know, 
but then for the rest of the year they're doing their own individual separate things and it's a bit revolutionary and a lot of devotees don't support this unfortunately but i think we need to need to get better at communication i certainly don't think that all the different godi Vaishnav groups should join together and form one united group definitely not we just need to get better at keeping the door open every now and then or or looking over the fence every now and then you know it, it, the best will in the world the Hare Krishna movement or ISKCON, which is the biggest Hare Krishna group, is not going to take over the world. No. Okay, we're not going to have a worldwide revolution where everyone converts to the Hare Krishnas. That's actually not prophesied. Every town and village is prophesied, so every people chanting every town and village, yeah, but not a worldwide revolution. And we also recognize that, you know, not everyone will take to Krishna consciousness in this lifetime. We want lots of people to do that, but this, this you know, zealous, zealous idea that we're going to get everyone to convert is it's not uh, realistic actually. And so we have to accept that, you know, ISKCON is very active and very big in parts of the UK, but also there are other Gaudiya Vaishnav groups preaching Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's message and, you know, they should be allowed to do that. I mean, I, I mean, I think everyone accepts that, but we shouldn't criticize them, no, you know, uh, you know, there's lots of stories of Srila Prabhupada having a positive relationship with his godbrothers. Whenever Srila Prabhupada went to India, he would go and see his godbrother, Srila Sridhar Maharaj. Uh, when, before Srila Prabhupada left the planet, his disciples said to him, who should we go to for advice when you're gone? Srila Prabhupada said for philosophical advice, you can go to Srila Sridhar Maharaj. So it's all there. Um, but, you know, sometimes institutions can take over and make things quite difficult. So I just think we need to be better at being adults about it and having mature conversations about the present situation of the Hare Krishna movement and its future. Yeah, definitely. Um, trying to think what else could we could say about this. Um, you can ask me anything you want within reason. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, just some quick fire questions. Um, bit of a tough one. Do you prefer Kirtan or Japa? Uh, Japa. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for me, Kirtan brought me, well, it's my first love because it introduced me to uh, the faith. But I think with Japa, it enables you to um, directly work in your relationship with Krishna as well, which is good as well. Um, i trying to think, could, could we ever include chocolate into Pashwadam? <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I mean, like, chocolate is one of those kind of issues of detail that devotees get too caught up about. You know, there was a, I don't know the exact details. There was a, there was a story where Yamuna, Yamuna Devi, mm. a very loyal disciple of Srila Prabhupada, made a chocolate cake for Krishna and Prabhupada allowed her to offer it to Krishna. Yeah. Um, you know, is chocolate a kind of life and death issue? I think not. Mm. Uh, uh, our priority should be saving souls and preaching Krishna consciousness, not getting too bogged down about chocolate. I eat chocolate. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> nice, nice coffee as well. You know, it's really tasty, actually. I've given yeah. things in 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 reality, James. I've given up a lot. Mm. I've given up alcohol. I've given up meat. I've given up a lot of stuff, and to give up chocolate as well is a bit of a big ask. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, alcohol—that that was a no-brainer because I didn't like the effects of alcohol, but. You know, occasionally might have a non-alcoholic beer because, you know, I mean, you know, there are some people, you know, who do drink alcohol just for the taste and, you know, fair, you know, fair shout to them. But the ones, you know, you know, just misuse it just to get drunk, I don't agree with that. But, you know, it's like they say, like, you know, everything within moderation. But I think 
you know, you can have like your own little comforts in life, you know, whether it's chocolate or coffee or whatever. And I think, you know, <laughs> in the long run, it keeps you sane, doesn't it, as well? Yeah, I mean, I, on a personal level, I gave up meat straight away. I, yeah. I, I felt, you know, I realised straight away. It actually took me about a year, almost a year to give up alcohol because I'm from a very... Um, what word I want to use on this podcast um, in my family culture people drink a lot so every Christmas or every birthday everyone's drinking and a lot of my friends that I, I admit I don't see much these days they drink so you know drinking took a while because drinking is such a part of English or British culture particularly yeah. from a you know, working class community which is where I'm from people drink you know my nan used to drink a bottle of well, maybe not a bottle of wine but I used to go and say my nan as a child she's have a bottle of wine every night you know that's what yeah. people did yeah true yeah because i think some some people i mean because it's instilled into your know, british culture you know, like in the pubs as well because it's a sense of community as well isn't it but yeah you know, aside from me you know um i'd rather go out you know you know like a like you know a nice meal with my family or you know, a nice coffee as well because there's no chance of it backfiring because i think some people you know when they're under the influence of alcohol it can, it can just ruin the atmosphere as well. Like, definitely. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, which uh, which of the uh, books, the Gita, the Shutami, uh, Chamarita, and Christian book, do you find most inspirational at, at this present moment? Yeah, man, out, out of kind of the main textbooks of the Harry Krishna, I'd definitely say the Bhagavad Gita as it is, yeah. uh, because I have a short attention span and I don't read as much as I should. So I want a book that's much more kind of bite size. So Bhagavad Gita, in comparison to uh, you know the other texts, it's much more digestible and you can present it easily or too easy to a new a new person, a, be, a beginner. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. Um, Bhagavad Gita. In terms of Shira Prabhupada's books more widely, I often find that Chant and Be Happy is a very good, easy book to give to people, uh, you know, because it's quite easy to read and the Beatles are involved, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, like yourself, probably as well, I'm like, you know, I'm a big fan of the Beatles as well. And I think if people can, you know, um, from me, you know, if, you know, if people are trying to like, you know, John and George's music and they can find, you know, a sense of um, happiness or whatever by reading that's great. Yeah. And, um, I think, you know, one thing that I liked about George when he said, <clears throat> well, there's a quick um, introduction, you know, for the Christian book, he said, you know, um, everybody is looking for Krishna. Some don't realise that they are, but they are. Krishna is God, the source of all that exists. The cause of all that is, was, or ever will be. As God is unlimited, he has many names, Allah, Buddha, Jehovah, Rama, all the Krishna, all the one. By serving God through each false word and deed, and by chanting his holy names, the devotee quickly develops God consciousness by chanting Hari Krishna, Hari Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari Hari, Hari Rama, Hari Rama, Rama Rama, Hari Hari. One inevitably arrives at Krishna consciousness. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. All you need is love, Krishna Hari Ball. <clears throat> I've always loved that introduction in the Krishna book. Mm. Yeah, because I mean, if people like in today's society, they can understand, you know, like all religions, they are equal. You know, like each name, whether it's the Nantanam, you know, Buddhist names of Allah, Jehovah, Rama, Krishna, Govinda, you know, if they can all understand that, I think it would make society a happier place, definitely. Like mm. a sense of brotherhood, chip as well, if that's a word. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, uh, you know, um, Shiro Prabhupada said that if you're a Christian, read the Bible. If you're a Muslim, read the Quran. Everyone should do something, you know, to to develop a spiritual lifestyle. And, you know, to some extent, he said any name will do. He said the Maha Mantra is the best, but any mm. name will do. If you're a Christian, chant the name of Jesus. If you're a Muslim, chant the 99 names of Allah. You know, And also, if you look at the concept of the name of God, it's very significant in every religious tradition. So in the Jewish tradition, the name of God is so sacred and so holy. It's mm. not even written down in the Orthodox tradition. Uh, in, in the in the Sikh tradition, you know, uh, the names of Govinda and Krishna and Hari are in the Guru Granth Sahib. And, mm. and for Sikhs, you know, the names uh, Vahiguru, Vahiguru, Vahiguru is often repeated and chanted. You know, uh, if you if you read the Bible, if you go to church, uh, you know, you sing, you know, hallowed be thy name. The name of God. Temples in, uh, in in Christian and Jewish history were built to the name of God, not necessarily to God, him or herself. Uh, you know, so the name of God is is paramount, paramount. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, even from, you know, straight, well, even from like, you know, they, you know, the, the similarities are straight away, you know, with, you know, to understand, you know, God's no difference from his name as well. I mean, I'm just trying to find the... Um, St. John's Gospel, you know, when he says, you know, at the beginning, you know, the word was the word. Was yeah, it's God. the first I mean, few you know, lines, you know, the word yeah. was with God, the word was God. Yeah. Uh, I mean, theologians would say the word was Jesus. Uh, yeah. Word was word was Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. Definitely. It's a similar concept. I mean, it's a similar concept. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if you know, uh, there's a brilliant um, program on YouTube. It's like Shri Prabhupada's lectures, but like two to three minutes. So, um, they're not like too long for like you know people who are new to the uh, process, but they go straight to the uh, the teachings as well, which I've always found great comfort as well. Because you know yeah. one one I watched recently was um you know that God's you know so kind and merciful that He'll fulfill you know our material desires you know even though that's not the um the process of practicing bad yoga, but you know God's you know such love that He'll help us. Mm. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, well, um, it's been great having the podcast over, and I hope the the they sells the book goes well with you. Yeah, thank you. Well, I'll let you know, James, when it's out, and uh, you can buy a copy if you want to. Hopefully, you will. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure on the price yet, but uh, yeah, and it's it's about the you know I encourage all devotees to to read it, and we can learn about our our culture, our movement's history in the UK, and you know, uh, yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you, James. No, I can. I just before we go, just want to read these quick um, Gita verses. Um, sure. The the eighteenth chapter conclusion, the perfection of renunciation. Um, it's from the first. It's uh, sixty five and sixty six. Um, Always think of me. Become my devotee. Worship me and offer your homage unto me. Whilst you will come to me without fail, I promise you this because you are my very dear friend. Abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender unto me. I shall deliver you from all sinful reactions. Do not fear. Hari, 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 Bol. Hari, Bol. Shri Rupad, Jai. Jai, Jai, Jai. Jai, Shri Krishna. Okay. Okay, I just finished the podcast, Sampuru. Thanks, Prabhu. Nice to see you. Nice to chat to you. Um, We'll keep in touch, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Okay, Hari, Bol. Hari, Bol. Bye. Take care. Bye, bye. Bye, bye.